Wayne. Took me a second to think of who the other guy was. This is Aaron. <laughs> this is not the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other guy. <laughs> and then there's that other other guy. Yeah, you know, in my head I was like, Tim, no, no, wait, Tim's not here. So I, I'm sorry, it threw, threw me off. But, uh, you know, that's it. You know, we've, we've gotten our, our mistake out of the way. It's going to be hardcore professionalism here on out. That'd hardcore. be first. <laughs> hardcore. Emphasis on the hardcore. That's right. Well, you know, we're, we're going to need to, you know, check everyone's uh, age before uh, they, they proceed because, you know, this is going to be some, uh, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> we're used to the softcore professionalism. Yeah. <laughs> emphasis on the soft <laughs> no penetration of this professionalism so are, are you guys familiar with talavera do you know what that is uh, i'm here i'm is here that a, is that a terrorist group or <laughs> no so so talavera is like a style of of ceramics of pottery that kind of thing and it's you know typically you see it south of the border um it's very uh, ornate stylized um you know very colorful and I've got several pots like that out out of my um, in my backyard, and I had this, and, and, they're, and they're shaped like uh, like animals, you know. Sometimes, so like I've got uh, one that's shaped like a pig, and it's got this you know real colorful ornate design on it. Well, this week I had a dream where my ceramic pots out on the back porch came alive, and they're wandering around in my dream, and one of them was a brontosaurus-shaped pot. Now, not of gigantic proportions, but, you know, about the size of, of a beagle or something. Um, I don't actually have a brontosaurus pot, but in my dream I did. And it was very angry with me and kept growling. And which is the way bro angry brontosauruses sound, by the way. Arr! It's a very interesting dream. Scientific fact. That's how <laughs> yeah. beagle-sized brontosaurus... Yeah. Beagle, yeah, it was a Vietnamese pot-bellied brontosaurus. So, uh... <laughs> pot-bellied brontosaurus. <laughs> that is too long of a show title. <laughs> so, since you mentioned a dream, before the uh, the episode this morning, I fell asleep in my chair, and uh, I usually fall asleep during. Yeah. The <laughs> that's that hardcore professionalism we're referring to. Yeah, that's so, right. Hardcore. I fall asleep in my chair. I've got my uh, computer, laptop, table like over. You know, over me because I was on my laptop at the time, and somewhere in my dream, I go to kick something, and in my dream, you know, I basically in the waking world, I raise my leg and I kick the hell out of my computer table. Oh, nice. So I wake up to stuff kind of knocked on the floor and my knees throbbing, and it's like, oh, that. That has not happened before, and that really sucks. That's no good. That's no good. We're going to have to put you out to pasture, Wayne. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> We're just going to take you out back yeah. just to have a talk with you. Yeah, but we also call it euthanasia. So, uh, you know. We're going to put you out of someone's misery. Maybe not necessarily yours, but someone's. Well, if I'm going out to the pasture, at least I can say hi to Paul's mom, because that's the only place we had big enough to put her. God. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> cha changing the subject. Uh, so lots of news out this week. Uh, DC pulled back the curtain somewhat on their rebirth. Yeah. So maybe I'm just a mark here. And I'm usually, at this point, when the announcements start coming out, I'm pretty negative about them. But the more I read, the more excited I'm getting for rebirth. 
because they're saying all the right things to hook me. They're talking about, you know, this isn't a huge continuity reboot, but it's bringing things back to a big shared universe and trying to fix some of the things that have been lost from the uh, pre-New 52 world. And the more interviews I read with uh, Jeff Johns, the more excited I'm getting. So, you know, one of the things that came up in Rebirth uh, is that they are returning to the original numbering for DC's two oldest titles, Action Comics and Detective Comics, which within the next two years puts us at issue 1000 for Action Comics because both Action and Detective will be published twice monthly. Um, I I, I always feel like when they renumber so here's your new action comics number one and then when they're coming up on a milestone issue they return to the original numbering i feel like that's a cheat i feel like from my personal opinion is if you're going to renumber you don't get to go back to the original number i don't know i mean i feel like everyone does that so everyone does it as everyone's wrong yeah and it doesn't make it right i i i I, they, they go to um Single issue numbering, you know, they go to, to reboots and resets at issue one so that, you know, people will get all excited about buying a first issue and it's a jumping on point and whatnot. But it irritates the tar out of me that they try and have it both ways, that we're going to re we're going to renumber and then we're going to return to the original numbering. It just pisses me off. <laughs> so tell me how you really feel, Aaron. It pisses me off. If, you, if you're going to abandon your, your, your numbering, abandon it. But don't don't try and have it both ways. And that's also what kind of annoys me about Rebirth. You know, they they shed their skin of much of what I loved about the DC Universe when they went to the New 52, and now they're trying to go back to it. Because retailers will tell you this, the New 52, after the initial uh, new issues, has been wildly unsuccessful. You know, they, they dominated the sales in first year, but then they kept losing that business and continue to underperform in comparison to Marvel. And so, you know, DC is like, well, we tried doing stuff that was all new. Let's try going back to our base. And while I'm eager to see those stories, I'm real curious as to how you fix a lot of what they broke. So one thing I expect back is Nightwing. And all of the groundwork is being laid to bring Nightwing back anyway, even without the big events. So, but I, that's one thing I'm expecting out of it is I think we'll get a Nightwing book again, you know, with him, with Dick Grayson as Nightwing. I mean, they already said that Nightwing is one of the titles, didn't they? I mean, they've announced a bunch of titles already in relation to, uh, yeah, it was like 34 titles in all. Yeah. And, uh, so let's see, uh, you know, Jeff Johns had this video and they, they very, clearly stated that this is bringing back the core concepts of these characters. Um, they, they even showed an image that appears to show Connor Kent in it. Uh, but I mean, I'm not going to read all the titles, but you know, the, the, you'll see some of the regulars there, Aquaman, Batman, Flash, Green Arrow. Um, I see Green Lanterns in there. Yeah. It's, it's Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps is his book. Uh, yeah, actually there's two, there's Hal Lantern. Oh, excuse me, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. And there's another one called Green Lanterns. So there's two Green Lantern books. Um, Titans, you'll see uh, listed there. We already talked about Action Comics and Detective Comics. You'll see Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Yeah, I was, I was kind of interested in that. Uh, Nightwing. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws is still going to be around. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, of course, because they want us uh, to like Cyborg. 
Surprised to see Earth 2 still there. Uh, there's a Trinity book, Harley Quinn, Justice League of America, uh, Gotham Academy, Super. There are a number of Superman titles, including The Superman, which we talked about previously, Supergirl, Superwoman, and Super Sons. Um, so I'm wondering what Super Sons is. You know, what will that incorporate? Who who are going to be that? I don't know. I don't know. I you know I don't want to sound like I'm 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 not going to be into some of these books. I just I'm dubious, and they're going to have to convince me. Yeah, they're saying the right things right now to get me really interested. I'm I just want a Superman book I can read, besides the Lois and Clark one, which is really good. But I want the main Superman in DC Universe to be a, a character I can support. Yeah, you know we 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 have talked about Superman a, a couple of times recently, and uh, we had a comment from our uh, good friend Sardell on the site, which I'll share with you now. Uh, in response to last week's episode, he says, "I think that Superman's lack of popularity, or the fact that he is perceived as a lame character, is a sad commentary on society. I understand that the people who are interested in him, due to his." I'm sorry. I understand uh, the people who are uninterested in him due to his power set. He's a rather powerful individual, and some people may not be interested in reading a story about a character who is practically invulnerable. It's the folks who say that Superman is lame due to his morals that bother me. The fact that someone who is viewed as wholesome is lame makes me really sad. We gleefully cheer on the guy who dresses up like a bat and illegally beats criminals to a pulp, often maiming and torturing them in the process, but we turn our noses up at someone who respects the law and deals with criminals in a humane manner. Yes, Superman is technically a vigilante himself, but oftentimes he is portrayed as being sanctioned by the police and U.S. government. I think that people have become so disillusioned with the world that they can't understand a character like Superman. Captain America used to be in the same situation as Superman. I had plenty of friends who thought that he was lame when uh, we were growing up because they viewed him as, as, as a square. I think Cap was able to break that mold and become edgier because he's a soldier first and foremost, not a superhero. But with Superman, he needs to be the icon that everyone looks up to. I know I'm preaching to the choir with that sentiment, but I wanted to echo the thought. Hopefully, with Rebirth, DC will be able to bring back the classic Superman. Uh, but in all honesty, I wonder if society has moved past this type of hero. We live in a grim and gritty world. And I'm not sure that people can relate to someone like Superman anymore. So I would say, what do you, first of all, I agree with just about everything that was said there. The, uh, yeah. the comment about uh, Captain America, I was definitely in the camp of he is uh, lame and square until, <laughs> until Brubaker started you know, writing him. Brubaker was the one that won me over in Captain America. Before that, I never cared for the character. You know, I'll, I'll echo some of that. I, f I feel like, uh, with the exception of some standout stories, I always felt like Captain America never really had a strong link uh, to me. But Brubaker certainly brought that along. Um, I love Captain America. Steve Rogers, Captain America. Not such a big fan of, uh, of uh, you know, Falcon, Captain America. But back to Superman... I absolutely agree with everything Sardell said. I, I think that uh, we we are still in the age of an anti-hero, 
and that's kind of what 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 Batman is a lot of time. The the darker he gets, the grittier he becomes, the more anti hero he becomes. I was watching uh, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, the the animated feature last night, and you know there's so much of that that I, that is just very visceral that you respond to because you know. I think we live in a world where it's really easy to say enough is enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to go beat the shit out of a mutant, right? <laughs> um, that's what that's where where I think you know Superman. I am mean, sorry, Batman really appeals to us. Superman, I would think, would appeal to the to the side of our better angels, right? That that it, he appeals to that person that we ought to be, not that person that we kind of want to be. You know? Yeah, I mean, he is the the character to look up to, to strive to be like that you will never yeah. be like. And one of the books that we read this week really drove that point home very well. I tell you what, uh, Superman uh, American Alien, written by Max Landis, uh, was uh, – Wayne said this in an email earlier in the week, but I was saying it uh, to myself as well – that uh, this is not just the book of the week. Uh, it is probably the book that the best book I've read all year, probably better than any book I read last year. Uh, this book sung. It was so good. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I know Wayne really enjoyed it. Paul, what did you think of American Alien? So I did not pick up American Alien when it first started because I'm not a big Max Landis fan. Um, you know, I, I, I did not care for Chronicle. And uh, he, he did some work on, um, I think, a Superman versus Joker digital first comic that I really didn't care for that much. It was OK. It wasn't great. And so when I heard the series was coming out and it was going to be another take about Superman's years leading up to him becoming Superman, I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, I've seen this so many times. Um, so I read issue one and I still wasn't fully convinced. It was good, but not great. But some, I mean, it, 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 I think it was just a slow start to what has become a fantastic series. I can agree with that. I remember having some complaints about issue one. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's not great. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it certainly has gotten better since then. And uh, man, this series is really, really fantastic. Issue three so, is laugh out loud, funny. And just and to your point, it showed Superman. Yes. He, he is a fine upstanding citizen, but at the same time, like he, he doesn't oh he wasn't always that way and you know he has to learn his lessons and that's what we're seeing here and i really like that well you know uh before we we dive into issue four issue three i think uh really bears some discussion we didn't talk about it on the show when it came out but you know issue three is clark you know uh traveling he's uh you know for one reason or another he he winds up uh on Bruce Wayne's yacht, Bruce Wayne isn't there, and you know he's like college age kid, um, and he is mistaken for Bruce Wayne, and so he leans into it and has a whole has a great weekend portraying himself as Bruce Wayne. There is something spectacularly fun about seeing Clark Kent ride a jet ski. Um, it, it was a fun book while also having some 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 rather sentimental and uh poignant moments where he's you know reflecting with this girl that that he meets there um but it, it's it's clark kent like you typically don't see clark kent without him having the weight of the world around his shoulders right um and it was nice i i really enjoyed that book and a whole lot of fun and many laugh out loud moments yeah i don't think i've ever seen oliver queen and uh, clark Kent partying before 
Yeah, and it was great. And you know, he is he is mistaken for Bruce Wayne, and of course, Bruce Wayne has the reputation of being a party boy. And so, you know, Clark parties all weekend, and I think that was a lot of fun. Well, in this week's book, uh, American Alien number four, we see Clark, uh, you know, trying to win a gig at the Daily Planet, and you know, he he's participating in this uh, scholarship program, and he and Lois Lane are competing for, for kind of the same, the same honor. And what I found so the, the first thing that jumped out at me at this book, number one, I am not, I think Jay Lee's artwork lends itself to a typical type of storytelling. It's not typically, in my opinion, uh, very effective in a Superman story, even though he's done some Superman Batman work. Um, I really enjoyed his work on the Eternals. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Eternals on the Inhumans. Um, I, I thought the 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 Marvel Knight series uh, that he did on the Inhumans and particularly his illustration of Black Bolt uh, were were just amazing. Loved his work on the Before Watchmen books, but you know his uh, more recent DC work on Superman Batman really hasn't done anything for me. But his artwork was fantastic in this book uh, and really told. I, I thought effectively you know guided us through the story. But the thing that, that grabbed me, the thing I realized that this is going to be a little different from what we typically see, um, is he meets Lois Lane. And, of course, he thinks Lois is Lois Lane. <laughs> oh, you're Lois Lane. Uh, you're, you're a woman. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a dude. Um, that, that whole thing cracked me up. But there is a panel where we see and we get to read Lois's letter uh, to the review board for this, you know, honor that they're trying to achieve. Um, and it was extraordinarily well-crafted, well-stated. It felt like something that a writer of Lois's caliber would write. And you don't always get that when you're reading over their shoulder in these comics. And I was like, wow, that, that, that really, that really captured Lois's voice. And we get very little Lois in this book. But it really captured her voice. So I mean, immediately I kind of sat up when I was reading this book. And then, you know, we move into these interviews that young Clark is doing with Oliver Queen, with uh, Lex Luthor. And the, each of these characters is so well-voiced by Max Landis. Yeah, there were two things in particular about those, uh, both aspects you just hit on that I really liked. First of all, was Lois in the beginning. I like the Lois that starts off egotistical and basically discounting Clark until she gets to know him. I've always liked that, that she comes off very standoffish in the beginning. Then going into those interviews, I remember having the thought of even Clark, how in the world is he going to remember everything that was said here to make any kind of reasonable story and right. then they showed that he was recording it all. Right. And so that's why I just, I loved both aspects of the story, that they dealt with both of that. You know, I would typically complain about a book like this uh, in how talky it is. It is very much words over pictures. I was wondering how Don't you were going to react to that, because it is a very wordy it, issue. It, But I'll tell you, it is, it is the difference between such marvelously well-crafted dialogue. I didn't feel like, you know, we were getting, you know, that someone was just unloading a ton of exposition on me. I felt like I was hearing the characters talk. I felt like the writer got out of the way of the character. Um, I felt like, yeah, I, I, I mean, 
Lex Luthor's conversation with Clark is one of the best things I've read. Um, Oliver Queen's conversation with Clark was so intensely heartfelt. Um, and then the, the scene between Batman and Clark uh, at the end of the book, I mean, I, I was just, I was captivated throughout this whole thing. And that's, I had no idea, no idea whatsoever that Max Landis was such a good writer. Neither did I. <laughs> I, I will yeah. say, I mean, the, I agree with all of the things you guys are saying about this issue. Um, I, I love the Oliver Queen stuff. I, I really do. Yeah. I love that they, they have introduced this relationship between Clark Kent and Oliver Queen that's just awesome. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and Oliver recognizes him at the press conference. Uh -huh. And, you know, he's like, Bruce Wayne! And, and Clark's like, well, um, yeah, come on, let's go! And, you know, of course... Uh, Lois Lane is like, how did how did this Kansas City farm boy, how did this yeah, Smallville farm boy uh, know Oliver Queen? And why does he think he's Bruce Wayne? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I, so th that there there were funny moments, there were heartfelt moments, there were tense moments. Um, I, I I I was so pleasantly surprised. I remember when Max Landis was pitching this book to fans, and he's like, every issue is different in that we're setting a different tone. You know, and you, you certainly had, uh, you know, the issue where, uh, you know, he is uh, is tender between he and Lana. You had the issue where it's just fun. You have this issue. I mean, the, the there is a very different tone, which is why he's got a different artist on each one of these books. And I, I didn't think it was going to work. I really didn't. I didn't go into this thinking that, you know, this was going to be as good as it is, but this is going to be a seminal story, I think, in the current telling of the Superman story. And I think that, you know, typically I don't respond well to the origin resets. I like stories that function within the established origin. Um, and so, you know, this, we, how many times have we seen the first meeting between Batman and Clark? You know, how many times have we seen, you know, the first meeting between uh, Lex Luthor and Clark? So Kent? I've actually been researching the uh, the Batman Superman one for I was thinking about a, an article for the blog around the time when the movie comes out. And right now I'm up to 12 different first meetings between Superman yeah. and Batman that I've got uh, detailed out. And it's like. They have keep going back to that moment so many oh, times. Yeah. But what's what I responded to in this is that it all made so much sense. You know, I liked how they brought these characters together. I liked I liked, you know, uh, Batman being pissed off that Clark Kent impersonated him as Bruce Wayne, you know. And uh, even more I, I, than that, the protective streak for Dick Grayson. Yeah. Cuz that was what really yeah. sold me on this. Like I was really enjoying it, but when it gets to the point of, uh, and I guess, well, this is a mild spoiler. You know, Luther drops off Clark at the daycare because that's just the kind of condescending thing that Lex Luthor would do. Yeah, inside the Lex Luthor building, he when he get when he escorts uh, Clark off the elevator, he leaves him at Lex Zone. <laughs> and Clark runs into a child, Dick Grayson. And those scenes, that voice of Dick Grayson, even as a kid, Dick yeah. is reading him and trying to figure him out. And he can already tell there's something off about this guy. Can't figure out what it is. And he makes a few, you know, 
a few deductions that are spot on and a few that are off because he has no idea that this guy's an alien. But Dick Grayson is just so like the voice of Dick Grayson was one that I yeah. really got behind and and I like that interaction so much with the, with the two of them talking. Well there there is that fantastic panel where Dick is reading him you know, and you can hear, you can, you can discern his thought process through that panel. And again, typically that wouldn't work for me, but the voice of Dick is so true. It is so authentic uh, that, I mean, you just lean into it. It is, it is, it is, the story is so well told. The characters are so well voiced. I, I, I know that I'm just gushing. It is just rare that a book comes out with very little fanfare uh, that is just so freaking well, and good. One of the things I liked is that the whole time Clark is still trying to get this, the job. So he right. sees Dick Grayson and he sees him as an opportunity for the first person to interview him and uses his powers to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I gotta tell you, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. So can I ask a question since I just got caught up on American alien, uh, um, this week? There is a character in issue number three, uh, a redhead, yes. uh, Barbara Minerva. Uh-huh. Is she supposed to be someone? You know, with a name like Minerva, I keep expecting her to be somebody. Like she's gonna she's gonna come back up. Uh, I, I am I imagine that that she'll she'll return. Okay, so I just googled it while while, while we were talking. Uh-huh. Uh, she's the cheetah. Oh, is she? So there's. A, yeah, I did there's not a story know she tells about a cheetah in the issue, and I should have taken that as a hint, but I am not a, a, a familiar <laughs> with the cheetah. Yeah, it's it's a Wonder Woman villain, and I know very few. Yeah, yeah. same Mark. here. Okay, so that 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 character in uh, Superman American Alien issue three is the cheetah, mm-hmm. which yeah, makes huh. sense. Interesting. I knew she had to be yeah. someone. Well, I, so Paul, sure. are you sold? Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. I don't know how long the series yeah. is. I don't know if it's six issues or twelve issues. I think I it's think six because that'll end it... around Rebirth time. You know. Yeah. But it works with with most iterations of Superman. They they haven't. I think it's outside of continuity because I think his parents are still alive in this book. Because um, he he, he, yeah, does, he have... refers to a, he has a phone call with his mom and she refers to his dad. So yeah, um, yeah. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me that this doesn't come into continuity as most successful stories do. Yeah. Well, we shall see. So. It's a good book. It's well, a really good book. Sardell, thank you so much for for your comment, and uh, because we read your comment on the show, you are the winner of a coveted, highly sought-after Ideology of Madness surprise. So I'll be reaching out to you to uh, coordinate delivery of your very, very special Mm -hmm. gift. So uh, (laughs) let's talk a little bit more uh, about some DC uh, with Batman number 49, which is a last week book, but let's talk about it this week uh, because uh, we just hadn't had a chance to read it. This is kind of a um, – it's referred to as the next chapter of the Super Heavy storyline, that being the, the storyline featuring uh, Jim Gordon as Bruce uh, as Batman. Uh, but this is actually kind of a, a sidestep in that story of Bruce Wayne basically becoming Batman again. It, uh, the, the, the issue is about – if you have uh, read that Detective Comics 26, I think it was, that came out last year, or two years, three years ago, now at this point, I think, but the New 52 uh, Detective Comics uh, number 26, they had uh, – Scott Snyder's story was about how Bruce Wayne – or Batman had created a machine to create new Batman throughout the years. 
Um, he had cloned himself and this machine would basically provide the trauma that they needed to become Batman and so that there would always be a Batman in Gotham. And that storyline, and that storyline, uh, is, plays into Batman number 49, where Bruce Wayne, we talked about how he, um, he was, uh, you know, critically injured in his battle with the Joker and the, the water of the, basically the Lazarus pit under Gotham healed him and healed his brain and healed his heart. And he was no longer Batman. And so this issue was basically him having to, who, to kill Bruce Wayne to become Batman again, um, putting himself through the machine. Yeah. And what I particularly liked about this one is it dealt, it dealt with a lot of things before it even got to the machine part. So, Alfred, at the, up to this point in the storyline, has been very much a proponent of him never becoming Batman again. Because as far as he's concerned, he got Bruce Wayne back. The Bruce Wayne that died when his parents died has been returned to him. So he's been as against him becoming Batman as he could possibly get, to the point of he destroyed that machine. He destroyed uh, everything about you know, at least the programming behind it. And what I like about this is he gets to continue being, you know, so against that, looking out for his best interests. But Bruce Wayne knows, even though he doesn't really remember anything that he was, everything he knows about Batman tells him that he would have a backup for that. And of course he does. Yeah, I mean, of course, and it's obvious knowing, you know, all, knowing the Batman we've been reading for years, that of course he's going to have a backup for it. But I love that, that he's able to pick out, you know what, I'd have a backup for this. And and so what did you think of Batman number 49? I know you went ahead and picked up the storyline a couple of issues ago. Um, you know, this is a, a bit of a different story uh, than than what we've been getting what did you think of it? And it, it did not have great Capullo on art. They had a, a fill-in artist this issue. Um, but the art was fantastic, I thought. Yeah, I like the art. I love the issue. I love this as a return. Uh, I liked how they were dealing with it of why it never worked was because the brain would have any imprint at all. It wouldn't be able to completely overwrite it. The reason that it wouldn't work before was Batman wouldn't kill. And Bruce Wayne had to be killed. He had to be brain dead before this would work. I like that because it was something that he wouldn't have done before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like how Alfred refused to do it. So Julie Madison, uh, Bruce Wayne's fiance, has to be the one to pull the trigger. And I'm hoping they keep her around because I'm finding in the last couple issues, I like her character. I do too. You know, this, uh, you know, we talked about Rebirth, and Rebirth is um, a reference to those Jeff Johns stories like uh, um, Green Lantern Rebirth, mm-hmm. Flash Rebirth. This is this very much feels like Batman Rebirth, this story. Yeah, um, except better than either of those because those were both pretty bad. No, Green Lantern Rebirth was really good, I thought. Flash Rebirth was terrible. I'll give you that. Green Lantern Rebirth was a lot better than Flash Rebirth. But th- that's what this issue or these, you know, this storyline has felt like. Um, and so with Batman number 50 coming out, and I believe the last issue for Greg Capullo on the title uh, and Scott Snyder, maybe 50 or 51 is their last issue. Um, very curious to see how the storyline wraps up before we get to, uh, to DC Rebirth. Yeah, because we end this one. He is back. He is Batman. 
and he doesn't even want to know what's going on because there's not enough time for it. He's just getting in the car. Yep. So I probably should have placed this book closer to Superman because it very much ties into the conversation we were having about Superman and uh, how there are no um, what Sardell said about there being not a lot of room for genuinely good heroes without some type of anti-hero type flaw. Um, but we have just that in Huck uh, by Mark Miller and uh, Raphael Albuquerque. And we've really been enjoying this series. Now it is, you know, it is a mature reader's title a bit. It does have profanity. Um, but the character himself is just a, a good Southern boy. <laughs> You know, he, he is, he's that, oh gosh, golly kind of superhero, right? He, he reminds me, not so, really not so much of Superman, uh, but of uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, you know, Shazam. Shazam. Billy Batson. Yeah, you know, Billy Batson, yeah. Uh, he, he seems like a boy in a man's body, right? Uh, he, he seems like a Boy Scout, uh, you know. And the story of Huck is that he, had, he is super strong, uh, somewhat invulnerable, and has the ability to find things. If he's got an, if he's you know got information like a name or something like that, he can find anybody in the world. And so, you know, the the first issue sets up that he's the guy who has been doing nice things for people all across his town his entire life. Like, you know, rescuing puppies, you know, uh, pulling up uh, a farmer's tree stump, uh, rebuilding a library. I mean, just doing all these kinds of things. Well, uh he is and the town has kept his secret the town knows how special he is you know and a lot of them re, kind of and, and this is the, the the book's wording i believe uh you know they, they they refer to him as special up in quotes or perhaps slow or retarded um uh you know he's not he's not as uh developed or mature as he should be but they love him and you know he does wonderful things for for people in town so they've always kept his superpower secret so at the end of i believe it's issue one he uh a you know uh, a group of schoolgirls in uh oh the middle east afghanistan somewhere like that is captured by terrorists and are going to be forced into being you know terrorist wives right and so he tracks him down because that's his superpower and then you know beats the tar out of out of the, their kidnappers returns them to safety swears them to to silence right brings them candy and says hey i need you to do me a favor can you just not tell anybody who i am or that i did this that you know, you're just free and so they, they all agree well somebody in town uh, reveals who he is, you know, because this becomes a big story news item. And uh, so the world now knows, and it's caught the attention of some other people. And the, the attention of one person that it caught was a fellow who identifies himself as his brother. And he shows up, and they have a, a big reunion, and oh my gosh, you know, now I've, now I've got somebody who, who, who's like me. And so they go on a road trip looking for their mom, who they find in this book and spoilers. <laughs> I, I, I loved this panel, Paul. I truly loved this panel. You have this big joyous, you know, she opens up the front door. It's Huck and his brother behind him. And he says, hello, mom, it's your boys. And I mean, it is just as joyful and you know, great, big, stupid grin on mm -hmm. his face and his, his spit curl coming down. And she has this look of horror and he's like, what's wrong? And she says, 
I only had one son, and everything goes to shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this book. Yeah, Paul. I do too. I love this book. I, 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 it is, it is scratching me right where I itch. I, I, this book is fantastic, and I, I, I uh, you know, we used to complain about uh, Mark Miller quite a bit on the, on on this podcast, but he is on a run lately that I just am thoroughly enjoying. Yeah, especially thoroughly enjoying at the end of the book. You know, it's got a an interview with Stuart Amonin because he is working with Mark mm-hmm. Miller on a new science fiction title called Empress yep. with Wade, Wade Von Grawbadger um, on yep. uh, inks. I mean, that's that's my you know my some. It's dream my dream team, team you know, yeah. uh, my dream art yeah. team. These guys have done such wonderful work together. So I'm really looking forward to see what they'll do with this Empress book. Yeah, I, I just, you know, these uh, these Miller World books that are that that have been coming out, you know, and I always I always go back to Starlight because uh, I just I freaking loved that book. Uh, I'm just he, he's just he's just in the zone. He's just in the well, zone. I think he's found his place now. You know, maybe he's yeah. older. He's more mature. Uh, but, yep. you know, he's certainly producing the best work he's ever done. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. So big thumbs up to Huck. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I can't I can't say this enough this week. I read a lot of really good books. Yeah, you know, week. I was just thinking, you know, there are some weeks where we don't read anything good. And this uh, this was a week where I almost didn't read anything bad. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Because yeah. um, <laughs> even this next book, even though I did not care for the art by Sanford Green, the story by David Walker on Power Man and Iron Fist, number one, was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was. And like yourself, I did not much care for some of the uh, uh, choices made by the artist. Um, I, I, I felt like uh, Power Man was drawn in almost a racially stereotypical uh, uh, fashion. Uh, I was just like, mm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of uncomfortable with how he's represented. And. Well, Sanford Green is a black artist, I I should say. Yeah, but it still – and that's fine. Still made me uncomfortable. Uh, But I'll also say that I was uncomfortable with some of the borderline manga choices that he made around Iron Fist. Uh, You know, his his, crazy manga-like eyes on some of the panels. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not care for that. But I moved past that because – I enjoyed a lot of the texture in the book. The the backgrounds in uh, the diner, for instance, were very entertaining. Um, but what sold me on this book was the writing. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the 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 again the way the characters were voiced. Uh-huh. Um, I loved. Uh, let me see if I can find the panel here. Um, he. Uh, Power Man, uh, Luke Cage, uses a phrase. You know, Luke Cage has always had kind of a colorful vocabulary. Oh, yeah. In fact, in the, in, in the Bendis books, you know, there is a whole lot of the the star asterisk exclamation part kind exclamation mark kind of uh, language. But uh, here, you know, he is using a a, a different <laughs> vocabulary, and I'm not finding the panel. Oh, here it is. Uh, so. He and Danny Rand, you know, the Iron Fist, are driving around town. And it's important to note, they're driving around town because they've got to go uh, take care of an errand. And they're driving in Luke's car. Luke, of course, is a parent and married now. So they're driving around in his minivan, which, hysterical. <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, uh, he's, Luke Cage says, yeah, she's family, but this is a bunch of fiddle-faddle. 
This is, this is a bunch of fiddle-faddle, he says. And Danny Rand says, well, what the hell is fiddle-faddle? And it cuts to a scene that he's remembering where he's you know laying on the couch with uh, his wife, Jessica Jones, and their child is on the floor playing and is just swearing one, one stream of profanity after another. And Jessica just says to him, Luke, I love you, sweetie, but you got to do something about all the swearing. So now it's fiddle-faddle. <laughs> it's just the voices like you said are so right yeah. for these characters um you know and the thing i can say about the art that i enjoyed was the movement there's a sense of movement to the art that that i think is is very effective it's just not the t- and the art just in 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 some panels particularly the faces and things like that i didn't care for yeah. i enjoyed the interpretation of tombstone yeah uh, you? you did not i did not uh, I did not. There was just, I, you know, and I, I I realized who he was, you know, before they identified him. I'm like, oh, that's Tombstone. But it just the he was hyper character caricaturized, and I just it didn't work for me. I you know maybe the maybe the artwork will grow on me as we move through this series. I'm still in. I love the writing mm-hmm. on this book, um, but uh, I, I'm the, the the artwork. I'm just not a big fan. I would agree. I'm, I don't know. I think this is an ongoing series, so I don't know if Sanford Green is the ongoing artist or just the first arc, and, but... And I hope it's successful, because the world needs a Power Man and Iron Fist ongoing It does. Series. I feel like they yeah. feel to, to that name recognition that us fans have, but Power Man doesn't yeah. have name recognition outside of longtime comic fans. They probably should have yeah. just called it Luke Cage and Iron Fist, because they're unless they're calling the Netflix series Power Man, which I doubt... Uh, they're calling it Luke Cage. And I, I think what that should be, it should be Luke Cage, Power Man, and Iron yeah. Fist. You know, Luke Cage, colon, Power Man, and Iron Fist. I feel Fist. like that would have been more of a but, recipe for success. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But, man, I, you know, uh, minor, seriously, minor complaints about the artwork. Uh, the story is so stinking good. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a big win for Marvel. And, you know, Marvel's got a, got a much higher bar to reach for me these days. Because I'm trying, I, I am I am staying out of, uh, you know, things that I think are going to be crossover centric. Things that I, you know, like, I'm not reading a single mutant book right now because that is a recipe for disaster, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know you're going to get sucked in. Everyone's going to get sucked in in the mutant book to some kind of horrible event. That is very um, true because I am reading a bunch of them and I know that it's getting ready for a uh, a crossover, an apocalypse related one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we know that another, you know, big event is brewing, Civil War Two, and Avengers Standoff, Welcome to Pleasant Hill, came out this week, issue number one, and Wayne was our test monkey that we sent into the lab to read it. Yeah, so this functions as a standalone, basically think of it like a zero issue, except it's not a zero issue because those are usually cheaper. But... So the basic setup of this, uh, what's going to lead up to this event, and I will, there are going to be some spoilers here, because I can't talk about this without hitting some spoilers. So be advised, there are some spoilers for what's going on in this book. Basically, the whole setup of what's leading into this is S.H.I.E.L.D. has realized that their prisons have not worked. To to actually quote the book, Maria Hill is describing, we've tried rafts, we've tried vaults, we've tried negative zones. Nothing seems to stop the revolving door. So their solution to this is using the basically cosmic cube power 
to create a city that is the supervillain prison that is reshifting reality in it to make it a happy, smiling town. Actually, it reminds me of an old Punisher story that I used to really like. So you're following this main character that all signs point to him being Winter Soldier. Because you see on the first couple pages Winter Soldier getting captured. And you keep hearing flashes and everything seems to point to this being Winter Soldier. As he's wandering around the town, he tries to escape every day for multiple weeks. But he has no memory of who he is or where he got any of the skills that he's using. And you start to see characters throughout the city. The psychiatrist is uh, basically is Bruce Banner, who we haven't really seen in a while since. Uh, actually, I don't think we haven't seen him since uh, Secret Wars, have we? Yeah, I very briefly in but... Totally Awesome Hulk, but uh, other than that, no. Yeah, so he is in this town where essentially everything is nice and calm, and nothing could possibly make him angry. Which was kind of fitting. Maria Hill is the mayor of the town. And, uh, you know, when she comes in to talk to people is when she'll... Because she's obviously not spending all of her time in this prison. But you start to see how everything's kind of piecing together. And they, uh, there is a little girl that keeps showing up and they keep hinting at. And they've already said that the one of the big catalysts for Civil War Two was going to be a girl that could see... You know, basically a minority report type of character that can see what people would potentially do in the future. And I think that girl has appeared because there is a young girl here that they seem really nervous about. And she keeps just showing up throughout the book. But the whole thing comes to a head when they do their big reveal of who the character you've been following all this time is. And it's not Winter Soldier. It's Baron Zemo. And Baron Zemo and Fixer get their memories back and decide that uh, the prison is going to be where their new army comes from. And overall, I actually liked this book. The story was, like I said, it reminded me a lot of an old Punisher story I really enjoyed. Uh, I liked the idea of this prison. It seems like the next thing that they would logically try that's going to fail. Because if they actually had a successful prison that reformed or kept prisoners in then we wouldn't have any interesting comic stories because there'd be no villains <laughs> so it's got to fall apart and i said overall i i like how this kind of lined out does that mean i'm on board for the big crossover no but i may read some of the crossovers coming into this because before they get into the big civil war there's going to be assaults on pleasant hill and a lot of things dealing around this prison mostly because events leading up to the big crossover because i did this i enjoyed this quite a bit and one of the things that really hits a itch for me is i was a huge fan of the original thunderbolts the uh, baron zemo led team of uh villains that became heroes and the fixer is in this looking just like he did in that book zemo's in this and I know looking at the team coming up for the Thunderbolts book that they're going to do that's led by Winter Soldier, I'm kind of seeing how he's going to start to play into it as well. And I want that to be a good book because I said I have a real itch for those type of characters. The villains that have gotten the uh, – they've gotten just enough taste of what it's like to be a hero that they want that. 
So I'm hoping for good things out of this. This was a good standalone by itself. Doesn't mean Civil War is going to be any good at all, but it was interesting enough, and it builds not just into the crossover, but into Thunderbolts. And I want that to be a good book. Well, I, I am trying to stay as far away from Civil War Two as possible. See, I will probably pick up Civil War Two number one, but I'm staying out of standoff. I'm certainly staying out of standoff. And see, at this point, I think I'm all in for standoff, but I might... I want to say I'm not doing Civil War, but as much as I enjoyed this issue, I probably will end up rolling into... I'll buy at least the first issue of Civil War. I mean, when it comes out, let's face it, I'm going to buy at least the first issue. To <laughs> yeah. get it well, one book that I'm on the fence about purchasing, or a company that I'm on the fence about purchasing anything from right now is Archie. Um, you know, Archie, they really got into our good graces last year with titles like, or over these past couple of years, with titles like Afterlife with Archie and Sabrina. And then when The Shield number one came out in October, we loved it. We loved this book. Um, yeah. The Shield number two came out this week. Six, you know, like yeah. five months later. Um, and not only that, Afterlife with Archie, it's been over a year, I think, since the last new issue. Sabrina has been almost in the same boat. Uh, Archie has announced that they are going to get those titles back on track this summer. But they announced that same thing about six months ago. Um, so, yeah, and I do want to give a little credit here. Because you're right, I've been, I've been getting quite a few Archie books. And all of them have been late, except for one. So I want to give credit where credit is due on that one. Mark Wade's Archie book. Mark Wade is a professional, and his books come out on time. It is the only Archie book I'm aware of that hasn't been delayed. Well, I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, you know, if you're going, if you're going to have a successful launch of, for instance, your Dark Circle books, you know, your your uh, your hero books and whatnot. You have got to get your books out on time. And let me tell you, The Shield uh, by Adam Christopher and Chuck Wendig on, on writing and Drew Johnson and Ray Snyder and Al um, Baranuevo is a fantastic read. I loved issue one. Paul, I think you did too. I loved issue two. But it is far too long for single issues to have in between them. I mean, I don't even like books that come out every other month. I, I need my books to at least come out monthly or release them in, in, a, in a graphic novel format where I get the whole thing at one time. Uh, this, I, 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 I'm not going to belabor the point about The Shield other than to say it continues an amazing story. Uh, that you know takes place both at the dawn of the American Revolution as well as today, and I, I just I, I get a real kick out of this book. But good night, you have got to get your books out. Yeah, your second time. issue can't be five months late. Your, your you know maybe your second story arc, but you have to at least get your sure. first story arc out on time. And I know that Afterlife with Archie and Sabrina are by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is working on the Archie TV series, and he says that's been what's to blame for the delays, which gotta be honest bullshit uh you know uh you know i mean come on but this book isn't written yeah yeah no it's it, it's this has a, a an entirely different uh creative team and there's no reason why this book shouldn't be out on time now don't get me wrong i'm sure there are reasons i you know it's just i don't care as the consumer 
if you're going to, you know, if if you're going to sell your comics in serial fashion, if you're going to sell them as single issue comics, you've got to get them out on time. Otherwise, just just stop throwing money out there. You know, just stop it. You know, I, I am I really am becoming more and more of the school that release your comics and arcs. You know, if you're going to say, okay, we're going to do a four issue arc, bank those issues, make sure you've got them all, and then release those in a monthly fashion or whatever frequency. Right. And that's what they're doing over with Invincible. He's he but doesn't say Invincible isn't is a uh, monthly book anymore. He's basing it on arcs. He'll do all the arcs. He'll do the entire arc. And then he'll take a couple months off between them. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to do it these days. You know, I mean, I I completely get it. The single issue sales pays for the book, right? It pays for your creative team, and then the trade is the is the gravy on top of that, right? But we we are essentially in a crowdfunding business with comics that you're buying each issue to pay for the next issue. Um, I, uh, I get that, but you, if you're going to do that, you've got to support your fan base and ensure that you've got a stream of comics that are going to come out. It just, it blows my mind that you can have such talented people producing such late work. Agreed. Well, let's yeah. talk about a book that came out on time. Yeah. Um, you know, from a, 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 a comic company that's relatively new, Aftershock, last month we talked about American Monster number one. Uh, from Brian Azzarello and Juan Doe, and uh, issue two came out. Now, I was on the fence about picking up issue two after reading issue one. I, while I enjoyed the art and uh, you know thought it was an interesting story, I, I felt like I didn't know what the hell was going on. And Aaron felt the same way, but he felt that there was enough there uh, to, to, see, to continue with it to, to learn what's going on. And um, yes. having picked up issue two, it's a, it's, it's a little less surreal. There's a little bit more there. Um, towards a, a, a cohesive storyline for me it's I, I still don't know what the hell's going on uh, yeah it, but it's starting to connect i just wonder how well i yeah i i am i am still left with lots of questions and that's fine you know you're reading reading a story it's fine to have questions about it right um but i would think that after 68 pages of story you know between issues one and issue two you'd have a better sense of what was going on and I don't, I don't, you know, while I'm enjoying the characters uh, and, you know, some of it is starting to cross over, you know, the characters are starting to, their, their lines are intersecting, right? Um, but there's still not enough meat on this bone for me to get a sense of, of, of the meal, right? Um, so I don't know if I'm picking up issue three. I may, I, I think this is a good book. Don't get me wrong. I think that this is a story that's well-written and it's well-illustrated. I have no complaints on either score other than the fact I don't understand what's going on. And I think that this is this is one of those books that reads better in trade. And as we were stating before, completely understand that the publishing model in comics is we're paying for the work one issue at a time so that it can go to, to, to a, a trade paperback format. I think I'm waiting for the trade on this one. I don't think – I'm not getting enough out of single issues. And you know, kind of like when I read my big block of Providence last month, I got a lot more out of that than I ever would have reading them single issues. So I'm going to have to wait on this one. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, I think I, I yeah. do think this will read well in trade because it's a movie. Yeah. It's a movie, and in a movie, you can go a half hour or 45 minutes before the story really clicks. But in a comic, well, yeah. you can't go. You can't go. I don't want to go four or five months 
before something clicks. And and I felt I had that same concern about Providence. Right. But Providence was yeah. better written and there was enough of a cohesive storyline there for me to to follow along. Yeah, in a movie it's okay to get to the end of the sixth sense and go, Oh, he's dead. Spoilers. <laughs> right? Yeah, whoops. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, it's hard to do that month after month after month, you know, generally speaking in a movie, you're, you're investing two hours before the payoff. I don't want to invest six months of my life before the payoff. So I I think that I'm waiting for the trade. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to buy it and trade, but I'm going to wait. I'm with you. So, So, well, well, Paul, we don't have to wait for books next week. Actually, well, we have to wait until next week for books. How about that? (laughs) Well, Uh, (laughs) we have one more book this week to talk about. Do Do we? Um, ish. So, Wraithborn <laughs> Redux. Redu? R-E-D-U-X. How would you, how would you pronounce that, Aaron? Uh, Redu. I would pronounce it Redux. O-U-X? U-X. R- oh, U-X. Redux. Redux. I'm sorry, I thought you said okay. O-U-X. Wraithborn Redux um, came out this week, uh, uh, digitally only, from the creator of Lady Mechanica, uh, Joe Benitez, uh, written uh, by Marsha Chen. This, so I picked it up because I, I remember liking Wraithborn when it was originally published back in probably the early 2000s. And I don't remember if it was Top Cow or Wildstorm, but it was an image book. I picked it up because it was 99 cents. And so this is a 99 cents. I got excited. I'm like, oh, Wraithborn's back. Joe Benitez is a great artist. 99 cents. And this is a reprint. <laughs> this is a reprint of that original story. I was all excited that it was new stuff, but it's new to you. So why don't you tell me what you thought? Interesting. So I didn't even—I didn't know this was any kind of reprint until you just said that, because I thought this was just a brand new title. I never read any of the original Wraithborn. Don't know anything about it until I read this book. So I get into it knowing nothing about the book. It starts off, you know, full action with the character already out there, and then it goes into a flashback of the origins. And my first initial thought in the big action scene is, okay, this is like a less interesting Witchblade. Because yeah, it's, it's like Witchblade it, by way of Buffy. Yeah, Witchblade, if you take away any interesting character about her and make her completely unlikable character. I really disliked all of the Wraithborn part of it at the beginning found the uh, the character to be completely unlikable there was you know nothing really redeeming about her she's essentially so she is just like witchblade except you know very i guess witchblade if you took away the desire for justice you know the cop aspect of witchblade yeah so i found i didn't like that at all and then it went into the flashback and we start to see the character as a teenager, what type of teenager she was like before she gets this. And I found, while I did enjoy that a lot more than I liked the first few pages, I found I really didn't like the character that ends up becoming Wraithborn. She's she's overall, you know, she doesn't want to get involved with anything. She doesn't want to help anyone, even when it is, you know, simple to do and does next to nothing to put her in any kind of danger. She just doesn't want to help people. And I found that to make her a really unlikable character for me. When she doesn't help somebody who's being bullied, when there's nothing, when all she really has to do is just pick up clothes from outside the locker room and bring it back to her, when the person actually comes right out and asks her, please help me, 
and she still just walks away. That to me, that that was the last straw for the character. I just really hate the character. So uh, overall, I bought it because it was a ninety-nine cent book, thinking maybe this would get really interesting, not knowing it was any sort of a reprint, and found I dislike the character enough that I wouldn't buy any more of it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's 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 the same story I read fifteen years ago, maybe. <laughs> so I, I'm 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 not going to pick up the rest of it. Uh, but if if you liked that Wildstorm, Top Cow era of uh, of Image Comics, it might be worth checking out. It's it's got pretty art. It's just not very well written. With a doesn't really have interesting characters or uh, character growth or and that's one anything thing that really hurts it right now is that this has all been done before. Even not having read this book, I might as well have already read this book because there's nothing here that was new or innovative. There's nothing that we didn't see in the 90s, you know, a ton of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it was out then and maybe it was one of the uh, the books helping to create that and uh, push those stories forward. But those have already been done now and I didn't yeah. need to see it again. I don't disagree with you, Wayne. But Aaron and I have some exciting news to share. Exciting Very news. exciting. That uh, the first weekend in September, Aaron and Paul are going to fuck some shit up in New York. Because uh. we are going to be out there for Star Trek missions. For the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. There is a, a convention in New York uh, from September 2nd through 4th, 2016 at the Javits Center, which is where they put on New York Comic Con, called Star Trek Mission New York. And it is, like Aaron said, the 50th anniversary Star Trek convention. They have not announced uh, a guest list or anything like anything beyond the dates. Um, but this is the same company, Reed Pop, that put on the Star Wars Celebration Anaheim that I attended last year, where they um, had the entire cr- uh, cast of the new Star Wars movie. Um, they you know, showed the new trailer for the movie. So I'd imagine big things are going to happen at Star Trek Mission New York, and we will be there. Tickets are on sale now. Check out StarTrekMissions.com. Well, and I can just imagine that with it being 50th anniversary and a new Star Trek television series in the works, uh, and uh, the the uh, new Star Trek movie will have already been released because it comes out this summer, yes. right? Uh, so I imagine there'll be uh, news about a uh, possible future Star Trek film. Uh, I imagine that we'll have uh, some real details around the new Star Trek show. Imagine we expect panels on that. So Paul and I will be covering that for the site. Uh, from Paul, you can expect video. From me, you can expect a lot of pictures, and you can expect some writing. Uh, we'll report on what we see at the panels, what we what we see in the showroom, and uh, the hobo that we murder there in New York City. So, I mean, all kinds of, uh, of, of good stuff coming uh, on ideologymadness.com as Paul and I attend Star Trek missions. Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, I can't wait. I, I'm I am, I am super I'm excited. Doing. It's, it's going to be a great yeah. show. And if it yeah. sucks, at least we'll be in New York. That's right. <laughs> uh, we, we, we can go get one of those, uh, what do they call those? Uh, shows? Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about shawarma, but that'll be too. I, I just assumed you'd pick up a tranny and bring him back to your room. Uh, Paul is the trainer. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you don't yeah. go to New York to pick one up. You bring your own. Exactly. That's, right. that's, that's, how, right. that's how we roll. That's right. That is a good way to save money. <laughs> so, Paul, what's coming out next week? What am I going to What am I gonna buy um, at the comic uh, digital retailer next week? So Marvel doesn't have a ton out next week, but it is a big week for DC. 
next week from DC Comics, we get the new issue of Dark Knight 3 Master Race um, after a slight delay. Uh, the, the newest issue is coming out next week. Uh, we also get Dark Side War continuing in the pages of Justice League number 48. Uh, we have new issues of Superman, Lois and Clark, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, uh, even though I, I'm not reading – I'm only reading Superman, Lois and Clark. But speaking of Superman, Superman, The Coming of the Supermen uh, comes out next week. I know we're on the fence about that Neil Adams book. I'll, 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 I will gauge my, my opinion when I see it, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It is – at least it's not five bucks, but – He's writing and drawing, I right? I believe so. Yeah, I'm. I'm not doing it. He he can't write his way out of the bag. <laughs> so I'm no no thank you. Well, sir. I'm definitely on board for Dark Knight Three: The Master Race and Justice League. Oh yeah, yeah. All Excellent. right, folks. I I need uh, ladle me in comics. That's what I want. I want to be ladled in. Comics. I'll get right on that. I, I need to buy a ladle. All right. Digital though. <laughs> that, that, that'll hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping all these iPads on you. <laughs> all right, guys, have a good week. Sardell, I'll be in touch. Take care. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.